that. All right. <laughs> good, uh, hello. Good evening. This is Just Human uh, 215, I think. And uh, yeah, I'm. This is. I'm throwing all this together real quick, trying to do a show. Um, several people messaged me asking me to go live and talk about some of the developments today. And uh, I didn't think I was going to have the opportunity to. And then my wife walked into the room right as I was considering it and was like, hey, I'm going to take the kids to the pool for an hour or so. And so I was like, sweet, I am going to try to throw together a show. So this is probably going to be fairly uh, super pro with uh, I'm just I'm just going to grab some stuff that I shared today, some articles I found interesting and read them and give commentary on them. I don't have a show put together, so we're just going to we're just going to go into this. Uh, and just see what happens. So hope you guys are having a good day. I'm having a fantastic one, of course. <laughs> this week has been awesome. Um, my face it has literally been hurting today because uh, there's just been so much what of what I view as good news. Uh, very much so I've been in the vein of how Burning Bright describes it as bad news is good news in an information war. And... Um, that's how it feels today. So let's talk about, I don't really know where to begin. I guess I'll just start with the biggest news there is, uh, which is that, well, I think it's the biggest news. It's kind of a competition, right? There's so much stuff happening right now that I'm not sure which news story is actually the biggest, but certainly one of, if not the biggest story is that U.S. Attorney David C. Weiss is now a special counsel over the Hunter Biden investigation. Um, <laughs> now, as some of y'all may know, I kind of made a prediction that this would happen. I made this prediction back on May 10th, 2022. And, um, you know, when I made that prediction and now I'm bringing this up, yeah, I'm going to brag. I'm going to brag for just a moment, toot my own horn for just a moment, because when I made this prediction, it was very, 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 very unpopular and absurd, and I caught a lot of flack for it. Now, I've already been proven right about this, because A.G. Garland already appointed special counsel Robert K. Herr earlier this year. So I already got to do a victory lap over this post and my prediction that A.G. Garland was going to appoint a special counsel to investigate the Biden crime family. So that's great. It's awesome whenever you predict something and um, you get it right. You're proven correct. But it's even more awesome when it happens twice. So, <laughs> so I'm pretty happy about it. Now, I, didn't have, I don't have any inside sources or clues or and I don't really have any special skills or anything that led me to make this prediction all i did was decide that there was or discern maybe that there was a um a pattern emerging where things that trump was accused of and things that had happened to trump during his presidency seemed to be coming back around on the bidens and only it's it's sticking and I was noticing this pattern of things coming back around, of these boomerangs coming back around and these narrative whiplash and these narrative events that seem like mirrors of what went on in the Trump administration. So 
I simply said, you know what? I think this is going to continue. And what other mirrors might pop up? And an obvious one is a special counsel specifically appointed to investigate the Biden crime family and people around the Bidens, similar to what happened with uh, Robert Mueller. So that was it. That's it. That's all that happened was I just discerned that there was a mirror there and described what that mirror might provide for us to look at. Now, I'm going to get this out of the way real quick. The doomers are going to doom. It is what they do. That's what's going to happen. There's plenty of dooming going on right now about this special counsel, and I'm not surprised at all to see it. I find it a little bit frustrating and also a little bit humorous because there are many people predicting or declaring that this is a cover-up and they're going to run the statute of limitations out on all of his crimes and nothing's ever going to happen and Weiss is going to cover everything up and he's going to prevent Congress from investigating the Bidens and it's just, it's over. We're done and uh, this is bad, bad, bad. Not surprised they're going with that narrative right now. That's what they're going to do and it's honestly, it might be to our advantage because people are going to underestimate um, what Weiss will accomplish and it gives a little bit of coverage. You know, if if all of Trump team were praising this and declaring that this is exactly what needs to happen and they're so glad it happened, then, and if the House GOP was doing the same thing, then it, it wouldn't seem as, it wouldn't have the impact that it'll eventually have whenever uh, Weiss does produce indictments or at least a report. Um, People love to throw around the claim that whatever happens, pretty much, it's a cover-up. Regardless of what happens, it's a cover-up. Um, it doesn't matter that Durham produced so many documents and dug up so much information and put it on the record. It was a cover-up. Um, that's what they say. And it's just here. All I can do is laugh at it. All I can do is laugh at it. Um it's an amazing thing to be in a mental state where you think that more investigation and more eyes on something means we're going to learn less. I mean, people always said that Durham was a cover-up job, yet he found so much out and provided us with so much more information, and we kept on learning new things. And... That's not over. I have another story about that today. There's another news story. I thought this might have been, this other one might be the big news story today. But anyway, the doomers are going to doom. And I know that people are going to put out contrary things saying that no, Weiss is covering things up and it's all crooked DOJ and Garland's blocking investigation of his boss. But let's look at the actual charging order, okay? Let's look at the actual document that tells us what U.S. Attorney Weiss is appointed to do. So this is the real piece of paper that says, I'm appointing wise special counsel. This makes it official. So it says, in 2019, U.S. Attorney David C. Weiss, along with the federal law enforcement partners, began investigating allegations of certain criminal conduct by, among others, Robert Hunter Biden. That investigation includes the investigation and 
prosecutions referenced and described in United States v. Robert Hunter Biden. That's the case in Delaware. By virtue of the authority vested in me, blah, 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 and in order to discharge my responsibility, blah, 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 I hereby order such and such. A, David C. Weiss is now a special counsel. B, the special counsel is authorized to conduct the ongoing investigation described above, so the one that already existed, as well as any matters that arose from that investigation, notice that's past tense, or may rise from the special counsel's investigation, or that are within the scope of this statute, 28 CFR 600.4. C, the special counsel is authorized to prosecute any federal crimes in any federal district arising from the investigation of these matters. And then it says, Section 600.4 to 600.1 of Title 28 of the Code of Federal Regulations are applicable to the special counsel. So when I saw this, I was like, man, I was really hoping that this charging document, not a charging document, this directive right here, this letter appointing Weiss would specifically say and direct him to write a public report. And so I was a little disappointed at first. I was like, man, I was really hoping that it was going to explicitly say that. But it says something that the other ones, I don't remember them saying this. It says that this section applies to the special counsel. So let's go and look at what is in that section. I have it pulled up here. Let me back up. General Powers. It's 600 right here. 28 CFR, part 600 general powers of a special counsel, it lists what those are. And it says these right here apply to, to Weiss. So the one that drew my attention immediately, cause I want to report is this right here. And this section says that he has to create a budget. How exciting. He has to notify the attorney general of significant events. And C, closing documentation. At the conclusion of the special counsel's work, he or she shall provide the attorney general with a confidential report explaining the prosecution or declination decisions reached by the special counsel. Now, how can you call something a cover-up when it literally means more investigation and it means more documents are going to be created? So he's going to have to turn over a report to the attorney general, just like Durham did and just like others have done. Then it says the attorney general will notify the chairman and ranking minority member of the Judiciary Committee of each House of Congress with an explanation for each action, one appointing the special counsel or removing a special counsel and at the conclusion of the special counsel, including to the extent consistent with applicable law, a description and explanation of instances, if any, in which the attorney general concluded that a proposed action by the special counsel was inappropriate or unwarranted. So they have to notify Congress or the Judiciary Committee when the special counsel and the attorney general have a disagreement. The notification requirement in paragraph A1A of the section may be told, blah, blah, blah. The, attor the attorney general may determine that public release of these reports would be in the public's interest. 
So what I'm seeing happening here is that <clears throat> I think I think AJ Garland just set us up for a pretty good showdown in Congress. I think that, well, I know that U.S. Attorney Weiss is now required to write a report about his investigation, but it has to be a confidential report that he turns over to A.G. Garland or whoever is the A.G. at the time he's, he's done. That A.G. then has to notify the Judiciary Committee in both houses that this report is finished. What do you want to bet that House GOP do absolutely everything they can to get a version of that report to make public. And what do you want to bet they do everything they can to compel Weiss to show up in front of the Judiciary Committee and testify to them? I don't think there is a scenario where we don't get to see the report. And I don't think there is a scenario where we don't see Weiss in front of the House Judiciary Committee or Oversight Committee. I think what's happened is that we've been set up for one hell of a showdown in Congress with them arguing for those things to happen. They're going to compel them to make it happen. They're going to get the American people to demand to see this report that Weiss produced. They're going to demand, they're going to get the American people to demand that Weiss show up in front of Congress and testify about his investigation, the decisions he made, uh, the people he prosecuted or did not prosecute, and why. So everyone running around saying that this is just another cover-up, sure, go right ahead. Go right ahead. But a pretty plain and, I think, reasonable reading of this document and what uh, Weiss is tasked with, you can see how this thing is on track for a showdown and for um, quite a public spectacle. I think we'll get to see the report, and um, I think Weiss will testify eventually. Just not right now. Which means in the interim, there's going to be a lot of people upset. Surprise, surprise. Um, so soon, this website will be live, I'm sure. All the other ones have been under this same convention, uh, justice.gov slash SEO dash W-E-R. Well, this one's going to be Weiss. The other ones are Her and uh, Durham, all the others. So Smith. So soon, this website will be live, and we'll see what gets posted there. Um, I'm trying to think what else I want to tell you about this. There was a, uh, a bit of news related to the other special counsel though. Um, oh wait, before I go to that, I got to tell you something else that's happening with this case. Same day that Weiss is appointed, uh, we had these motions by the USA in this case where they're going to, they're vacating the case. They're vacating the charges. The plea deal is dead. It's completely dead. And uh, they're moving this case out of Delaware. <coughs> Pardon me, I still have a, a bit of a cough this week. So the United States, at the same time that uh, Garland appointed Weiss, the DOJ made this filing here about the uh, case we're already familiar with, with, with Hunter Biden in Delaware. And it says, venue for these offenses does not lie in Delaware. Rather, venue for these offenses and any other tax, any other related tax offenses lies either in the Central District of California or in the District of Columbia. The information was filed in this district because the parties had previously agreed that the defendant would waive any challenge to venue and would plead guilty in this district. However, 
During the July 26, 2023 hearing that the court set on this matter, the defendant pled not guilty. Since that time, the parties have engaged in further plea negotiations, but are at an impasse. The government now believes that the case will not be re- will not resolve short of a trial. So, Hunter Biden's plea deal is dead. His case is being moved out of Delaware. It's going to be tried either in D.C. or in California. And that's right. There's going to be a trial. So, <laughs> that's another layer of excitement on this thing. If you remember... Uh, David Weiss was wanting to bring charges in California. And I think that's what he's going to do. I think he's going to bring some charges in California instead of D.C., but we'll see whichever where it, whatever one ends up in, we're going to get Hunter Biden on trial. That will be a lot of fun. We'll find finally, maybe we'll finally find out where uh, Eric Schwerin is. Um, it'd be the Central District of California, it says. I'd be interested to see what the jury pool is like. Uh, there are a lot of lefties in California, but there are also a lot of conservatives in California, although many have left for uh, for Texas, mostly, <laughs> in Arizona. Anyway, it goes on to say in criminal cases, proper venue is important in the proper place for trials, blah, 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 blah. There's a few more things. I don't think there's anything else in here that was really notice- noticeable or notable. Um Proceed negotiated. Sorry, like I said, I'm throwing I'm throwing this show together real quick. Okay, yeah, so that's it. So they're moving that out at the same time that uh, Weiss gets elevated to special counsel. It makes all the sense in the world. I don't know. All right, well here's. Here's here's my thought. I want to grab I need to grab this other post I made so I can really zero in on it. This one. Okay. So Merrick Garland said that he had come on open this in a new tab. Merrick Garland said that Weiss came to him on Tuesday and asked to be made a special counsel. That filing says that um, DOJ and Hunter Biden's defense attorneys have been meeting, trying to renegotiate some sort of plea deal. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of accusations that Weiss is the guy who gave Hunter Biden this super amazing sweetheart plea deal. I mean, that's basically true. It came from his team. But when they were in court, what did the DOJ attorney say? DOJ's attorney said, no, this doesn't cover everything. No, this isn't unlimited immunity. This is just on these very specific things. Yes, Hunter Biden is still under investigation. That's what DOJ said. So Weiss is taking a hit publicly saying because he's the one who offered Biden this sweetheart deal. But when it came time for that deal to go through in front of the judge and become official... And for Hunter to plead guilty um, in accordance with that deal, DOJ informed the judge that it didn't cover as much as what Hunter's attorneys were saying it covered. And that's why Hunter was like, uh, okay, not guilty then. The deal is off. 
So it's not exactly true that Weiss gave Hunter the deal, the sweetheart deal and everything Hunter wanted, because obviously it wasn't what Hunter wanted. And it came out in that court, which is why previously I've made the point on Devolution Power Hour and other places that I think DOJ, I think Weiss always knew that plea deal was going to fall apart. I think they all, I think that was always the plan for it to fall apart because they knew that judge was going to go through it line by line and sure it was trickery. Like, unlike totally, it was totally shady the way they did that plea deal. I'm not saying it was done right. Like they, the immunity stuff was buried in the diversion clause and they were telling the judge only look at the memo. Um, but the judge was always going to go through that whole thing. So I think they expected it to always fall apart and instead, they got an amazing spectacle with Hunter in court having to inform the judge, yeah, that's right, I worked for all these foreign companies and took money from them. And then DOJ had to say he's still under investigation on the record. So then they try and renegotiate the plea deal. They can't come into agreement. That means there's going to have to be a trial. Something caused U.S. Attorney Weiss to decide he was going to ask Merrick Garland for uh, special counsel office. And I think it's right here in these red boxes. I think it's that investigating allegations of certain criminal conduct by, among others, Robert Hunter Biden. It's the among others that really has my attention. Remember, we learned that he's still under FAR investigation. And so I think something has developed right here with these others that have fallen under the scope of the investigation. And then these, this line right here in the red box, as well as any matters that arose from that investigation. Now, it could just be language to cover all circumstances, right? Like it could just be may arise or that arose. Like, like that's fine. I could be putting too much into this, but it's past tense as well as any matters that arose from that investigation or may arise. He could have just written that may arise. I think, I think he included that, that arose on purpose because I think something did come up in the process of investigation, investigating Hunter Biden and others. So I think outside, and I think it's a decent bet that outside of what we are aware of right now, Something else has developed. <clears throat> Pardon me. I don't know if it's going to be. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know. But I think I think something else has developed. And then one more thing on the topic of special counsels and the Bidens. Uh, and then I'm going to check y'all's rants because I see a few. Um, which one is it? Y'all getting a preview of some of the other articles I have. Up. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Badland shared it earlier. Where'd it go? Um, there's been so much news today. And it's all my favorite kind of news. It's not that one. Where is it? This one. This was early this morning. 10.52 a.m. <laughs> Very early. <laughs> all right. I think I skipped over it because I'm so excited. 
All right. Biden attorneys in talks with federal prosecutors over terms of his interview in classified documents case. It was only. I want to say it was last week. But I can't tell time anymore. So maybe it was just yesterday. Uh, Trump was truthing out like, where's her? <laughs> Where is Robert K. Her? Whatever happened to that special counsel that was investigating Joe Biden's documents? Well, we have we have news. Attorneys for President Joe Biden and the special counsel appointed to investigate his handling of classified documents have been negotiating for about a month over the terms under which he would be interviewed. Discussions between Biden's lawyers and special counsel Robert Hur's office are focused on how, when, and where the interview might take place, as well as the scope of the questions. These people said they stress that the negotiations are ongoing and that no agreement has been reached. The back and forth suggest that the probe, now in its eighth month, may not be wrapping up imminently. But an interview with the person at the center of the investigation typically takes place near the end of the process. A spokesperson for Biden's personal attorney, Bob Bauer, declined to comment. White House declined to comment. For months now, Biden's lawyers have been gaming out various scenarios for an interview with the expectation that he would provide one once his legal team and the special counsel agreed on the specifics. Negotiating those conditions include, in part, settling on whether the interview would be in person, and if so, where it might happen, as well as the range of topics, questions that would be covered. Most of the classified documents discovered in November and this year were related to Biden's time as vice president, according to the attorneys, though some also pertain to his time as senator. Those documents were found in an office Biden used when he left the vice presidency and at his home in Delaware. The searches, however, also turned up a large number of notebooks Biden kept during his time in public office before he was elected president that could contain sensitive information. It is unclear exactly how any documents were seized to review uh, or how, exactly how many documents were seized for review and whether that is still a major contributing factor to the length of the investigation. Now, we had some, um, well, I'll finish the article. The Biden team would like to know in advance, ideally, whether a sit down with the special counsel would include questions about material beyond the vice presidency. And they would prefer to limit the scope one of the people said, Biden has pledged to cooperate fully and completely. Garland appointed her in January, blah, blah, blah. Trump in June and died. Okay. So. Highly, highly dasting. What we're supposed to think, according to the media, the, the narrative, the, 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 the Dems and, and left and center media are pushing is that Biden yeah, he had some documents from time as vice president, but he was allowed to have some of these documents and he turned them over immediately. And so there's nothing to see here. But the fact that he had documents from his time as senator too, and that he also had these notebooks that contain or may contain sensitive information. And now her wants to interview Biden. It's getting very interesting. And um, I don't really think Biden's going to be indicted while in office, but, um, the fact that her is at a, at a, a stage where he's considering interviewing Biden wants to interview Biden. They're trying to make that, make that happen. That shows how serious he is. And, um, you know, we had a couple months ago, maybe, uh, 
the story there were stories running around about how much each special counsel had spent. So there's about Durham spent so many million and uh Jack Smith spent many, many, many millions, and then her only spent like a million. I don't remember what the exact figures were, but there was it was very disproportional. Um that was a bit of fake news in a way. Um, it was news purpose to drive a narrative that Jack Smith is all has the full weight of DOJ behind him and he's spending all this money and this is massive investigation. It's out to get Trump and they're spending 30 million plus dollars trying to get Trump with this one guy. But then Robert K. Hur's over there spending only a million. He can't get any support. He's not doing anything. Basically, that was what the narrative was. Right. But if you dig into the weeds on some of that. They included in special counsel Smith's numbers all the people who had investigated anything related to J6 before he became special counsel. So, like, they included so much, like, it's be- because Jack Smith's investigation used so much stuff that had already been gathered from other investigators and um, lawyers and attor- and prosecutors and stuff that are all employees of DOJ. They included that in his, his expenses as special counsel, but there wasn't any more spending than there otherwise would have been because these people got paid the same by DOJ, whether their stuff was used by the special counsel or not. But that because he took over all of these other investigations that got included in his budget um, is my understanding of it. So it was a bit of a fake news thing um, that ran around and it made it seem like Robert K. Her. The net effect of it was it made like Smith seem like this big monster that was funded to the tune of tens of millions of dollars. And Robert K. Her was this little guy over here that was basically forgotten about and, and only had the budget for an office and a printer and some pens and paper, right? So um, that was the narrative takeaway that most people got from it. And I think it was just to help Robert K. Hur seem underwhelming, flying below the radar, and um, barely worth talking about. In the meantime, every so often, Trump's like, where's her? Isn't Biden under investigation for documents too? Whatever happened to that? It's just like he used to say, where's Hunter? And just like he used to say, where's Durham? He's, te- he's teasing it out. He's teasing it out. It's a lot of fun. <clears throat> One day I'll get rid of this cough, I swear. Okay. Let me check out some rants. I'm glad y'all are here. I am very hyper. <laughs> I'm feeling so... I'm so giddy. <laughs> oh, man. I'm definitely not going to listen to this show back. I'm going to... I'll annoy myself. Easy, easy three cents. Thank you for the rant. Yeah, thank you, Mrs. Just Human. She, she came over to me at the exact right moment. Kathy, thank you very much for the rant. I'm happy to, I'm happy to be here and provide some clarification. I hope my undivided life, just a hello. Thank you very much for the rant. I see Dwayne Cates is here and a whole bunch of other people. Dwayne and who else is here? Snarky. Mermaid's here. 
PJs is here. Natalia's here. Awesome. Any American luminescent. Welcome. Yeah, 207 Anon, good evening. Yeah, Doomers are always attacking me because that's that's all they do. The only thing they know about, they just know, they, the only thing they know how to do is just spew black pills. They just want to hand out black pills all day. And I'm over here with the white pills. All right, Easy Three Cents asks, could Weiss's new appointment be a means to ward off an official impeachment inquiry? Nope, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's going to produce more evidence. And um, it's going to be exciting. What the end result is, I don't know. But I, I'm honestly not worried about the impeachment thing. McCarthy's kind of toying with it. And um, I think I think maybe like the 25th Amendment, it's going to haunt Biden a bit. But in the end... I don't want Biden impeached. He's doing too good of a job for Trump. He's doing too good of a job red-pilling people and exposing so much stuff. I mean, if if he was impeached and got removed, then all these stories about him are going to die. And we'll be on to talking about Kamala Harris because she'll be president. So, um, yeah, it, I, I know that it's, it's counterintuitive, but I don't want Biden impeached. Zero o'clock. Good evening, and thank you very much. Really appreciate that Rumble rant. I might spend it on some scotch. <laughs> Mermaid Miss K, thank you. Thank you very much, ma'am. Hope you're doing well. As a deer panteth. I was talking about deer earlier this morning, or at least I was reading uh, Kate Awakening was talking earlier this morning in a chat group about uh, Chuck Grassley and his deer comms and how he's always assumed deer dead. <laughs> he's he occasionally has these tweets about a dead deer. They're really funny. Anyway, uh, thank you very much. Just keep your eyes on him. Remember he alone is Lord. We really appreciate your work. Yep. Uh, well, it's a, pri it's a privilege and a pleasure. It really is. Bear BL. Thank you very much. Really? Yeah. What a news day. Rocky's girl. Thank you. Is it's a pleasure, Rocky's girl. Happy to be here. Um, yeah, Chuck and his deer comms assume deer dead. <laughs> oh, it's fun. Yeah, uh, an official inquiry. Um, so I think that's what they're gonna do. I think we might get to the point of inquiry and they're gonna investigate a bunch of stuff and we're just gonna learn more and more about, um, more and more about the buying corruption and more and more about other corruption in DC. I don't think it actually leads to an actual impeachment of Biden, but it does lead to more evidence and uh, more information being turned over to Congress and then the American people. So it's, it's good either way, right? The, the process of going through impeachment is I think really more what it's about. Like that's more the benefit here. Dina 731. That's right. Nobody wants Kamala's Harris. It'd be horrible. <laughs> It'd be horrible. Nobody wants that. Ria, thank you very much. Hope you're doing well. Really appreciate it. Okay, so I went through that and that. Um, okay, I wanna I wanna talk to you guys about that story for sure. 
I'm going through my links to see what I'm going to go into next because there's other news. All right, let me hit, let's do Trump stuff next. Because there's been some development with that. Okay, that's down there. What is this one? Okay. So we have multiple Trump cases. So over in the one that's in Southern District of Florida with uh, Eileen Cannon, and then sometimes Bruce Reinhardt handles it because he's the magistrate. Um, <clears throat> so over there in that on that docket, you know they added a new defendant, Dave Ol Oliveira, whose name I forgot there now on Devolution Power Hour. Um, Carlos De Oliveira, and they got Waltine Nada Nada on this case. Um, they're trying to get everybody security clearances because they need them in order to look at some of the material in this case. And the lawyers have to get these clearances and stuff. And they have to make that happen by, or at least the council has to do all of their steps by August 22nd. So they can start going over this material. This is the case where I was talking about in devolution power hour the other night where, uh, Trump wants his skiff back. And, uh, We'll see what happens with that. I don't think there's anything. There's someone response to any discovery by USA. Let me see. Have have they said anything about that yet? I think this is the one from the ninth where he's saying they want their skiff. Yes. Yeah, this is the one where Trump saying wants a skiff. Let me see if there's a reply to this. There's not a... I want to see if the U.S. attorney has said anything. They've added some attorneys. Supplemental response for standing discovery order. Okay. Trump and Nada. No. Now that counsel for defendant De Oliveira have entered an appearance, the government has provided the three productions to counsel. So uh, in this case, Jack Smith's special counsel has provided three productions of discovery to um, Trump and uh, Waltine Nada. Now De Oliveira has gotten those same three productions, but there's more that are coming. The productions include written or recorded statements of defendant and the government has provided counsel with the same thing. Government is aware of a continuing duty to disclose newly discovered additional information. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Nope, nothing yet, but there are restricted entries here. These just popped up right here. So, that may indicate that there was there's one or two sealed filings, possibly from DOJ, and they might be in reply to Trump's request for a skiff. So they filed them under seal. We'll see what Cannon does with them. Um, so we'll see if those get unsealed. 
That's latest on that case. In D.C., the other Trump case that Jack Smith brought, this is the one related to January 6th, and the one which I expect to become a superseding indictment fairly soon and add more charges and add more defendants such as Eastman, maybe Rudy Giuliani, um, maybe Cheesebro, um, maybe Jeff Clark. Not sure, but I think some of them could be indicted and then... I also think that he's going to he's going to add more charges probably including seditious conspiracy or something like that. That way they can try and tie him into the happenings on J6 because right now they haven't really tied him that first indictment doesn't really tie him into what happened at the Capitol on J6. Um it's like they're trying to criminalize disinformation uh is what Jonathan Tarley said about it. But they haven't they haven't made the full connection, and I think they will. Um, and then Trump will get to defend against that. But what is interesting over here in this case is they've been battling over the protective order that was going to be issued and whether or not it covered Trump being able to say mean things on True Social. I'm not kidding. That is basically the gist of it. DOJ wanted uh, Judge Chutkin, or however you say her name, to... Um, that they they wanted they were they're mad about his mean tweets because he's calling jack smith a monster so they want to prevent him from doing that um so this protective order came down today there was a discussion about it and it's mixed uh she didn't fully agree with doj and give them everything they wanted um they also she also denied them the other day on this same docket i posted about this because it was just kind of humorous she denied um, DOJ something. Where is it? They wanted to file under seal and she was like, no, you can't. That's it. Right here, the government wanted to file. They filed a motion under seal to ask the judge if they could then have submit to her only a, an exhibit. And they want to do it all under seal. So they wanted to have a private conversation with the judge and show her an exhibit Whatever it was, an affidavit, video, recording, I don't know. But for some reason, the judge said, no, I'm not going to let you do that. <coughs> it may just be because the next day they were going to have a hearing anyway. I, I don't know. But she told them no, and I don't think that's going to happen very often with this judge, or at least that's what I was thinking until I saw this order. So let's take just a look at this order right here. This is the protective order governing discovery and authorizing disclosure of grand jury testimony to Trump and his attorneys. So it's granted in part and denied in part. There's no limit on already possessed or public documents as far as sensitive materials, which the United States may designate in accordance with the paragraphs below. Da -da 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 -da. The defendant and defense counsel shall not disclose sensitive materials or their contents directly or indirectly to any such person. That's no surprise there. That's totally normal. Defendant, defense counsel, and authorized person shall not copy or reproduce sensitive materials. Of course. Defendant and defense counsel shall not disclose any notes or records of any kind. Normal. This paragraph does not apply to generalized mental impressions. Before providing any sensitive materials or authorized persons. 
Uh, counsel must have a copy of this order. Upon conclusion of all stages of this case, all sensitive materials and all copies made thereof shall be destroyed or returned to the United States unless otherwise ordered by the court. The restrictions set forth in this order do not apply to documents that are or become part of the public record, including documents that have been received in evidence and other trials, nor do the restrictions in this order limit defense counsel in the use of sensitive materials in judicial proceedings in this case. The United States may designate the following materials it produces to defense counsel as sensitive. A. Materials containing personally identifying information. B. Rule 6 materials, including grand jury subpoena returns, witness testimony, and related exhibits. C. Materials obtained through sealed search warrants and 2703D orders. D. Sealed orders obtained by the government's filter team related to this case. E. Recordings, transcripts, interview reports, and related exhibits and witness interviews. F. Materials obtained from government entities, other agencies. The government shall indicate to defense counsel and discovery correspondence or otherwise which materials constitute sensitive information prior to or concurrent with disclosure, either before they give it to them or when they give it to them. Except as provided in the order without prior notice to the United States and authorization to the court, no sensitive materials or information contained therein may be disclosed to any person other than the defendant, defense counsel, or persons employed to assist in the defense. Sensitive materials must be maintained in custody and control of defense counsel, blah, blah, blah. If defendant takes notes, defense counsel must inspect these notes to ensure that defendant has not copied down personally identifying information. Anytime defendant reviews sensitive materials outside defense counsel's presence, the defendant must not have access to any device. So some of media are running with this one. Because it says, basically, when Trump is reading or looking at the, the sensitive materials, he can't have his phone with him, is what it says. Big whoop. We're expecting he's going to be reviewing this stuff in a skiff or some other secure facility, right? He wouldn't be allowed to bring in a phone anyway. Like, that's one of the number one rules of a skiff is you can't bring in any devices inside the skiff. And that's also one of the problems where people break rules and go into a skiff with a cell phone, which we know of from uh, the Russiagate thing. So we know of instances where... Phones are taken in, uh, especially from the drops. So I'm not really surprised. I'm not surprised about that one. I don't think it's one he'd have he'd have problem complying with. But I media are kind of running with this one, being like, "Ooh, the, she told Trump he can't use he can't have his cell phone on him because she knows if he did, he'd take a picture of it and post it on True Social." That's what they're going to say. Parties may include designated sensitive materials in any public filing or use designated sensitive materials during any hearing for the trial of this matter without leave of court if all sensitive information is redacted. So, if Trump team wants to use these sensitive materials, they can, and they can file them publicly as long as the sensitive information is redacted. <coughs> if a party includes unredacted sensitive materials in any filing with the court, they shall be submitted under seal. And that's basically it. So it really, what was what was happening around this narrative with the protective order was um, media on the left wanted 
Trump to be gagged. They wanted Judge Chutkin or Chutkin, I don't know, to tell Trump he can't use true social. He can't make public statements. He can't talk about Jack Smith. He can't say anything about these ongoing cases. And that's not what they got. Trump got basically a normal protective order that anybody would get in this same type of situation. And it isn't actually all that remarkable. The most remarkable thing is whether or not he gets to go to a skiff. I guess he's going to be going to a skiff in D.C. And his team will in D.C. But in uh, Florida, he's trying to get his own back open back up. All right, a couple more rants came through. And Teresa, thank you very much for the donation to my Scotch fund. It's a worthy cause. Much appreciated. Katya says, Mr. Voice of Reason. Well, it's good to be here. Thank you for the rant. Music and fiction. Can I address the silent whispers point? about the special counsel being illegally appointed so I can he can shut up about it. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so I had a little bit like confusion about that. Like what? What is this that's going on? But Shipwreck Crew, he already, he has an explanation for it that I think is okay with it uh, or is okay. Um, and it was basically that this was done through regulation instead of statute. Um, let me see. Okay. He, sa he says that, one, he said this is the same problem that happened with uh, Durham. He says same thing with Durham. Um, that was a problem with Durham, too, because he was the U.S. attorney in Connecticut when Barr appointed him. That's why Barr Barr's order made reference only to a few of the regulations. The bottom line is DOJ internal regulations are not laws, and the AG can set them aside when he wants to. Internal regulations only govern the internal operations of the department or agency that passes them. They do not create rights in third parties that can be enforced. And he says, Section 600.3, under which Weiss was appointed, is a regulation, not a statute. Many regulations are internal only and create no third-party rights that can be enforced. Regulations like this are binding upon employees and violations subjects them to discipline except the AG. It means that the AG is not subject to being disciplined for ignoring a regulation that he could set aside if he wanted to. These are created by the agencies themselves and not Congress. And the regulation provides there is no right created in any one to force compliance in a court or otherwise with this regulation in the event that it is violated. So. He's saying, well, let me read this last one. Only, okay, this question was the Code of Federal Regulation CFR is an annual compilation of final rules that are considered legally binding, just like any statute. Shipwreck Crew says, only to the extent they provide that they are binding and carry the force of law through rulemaking. The special counsel regulation is an internal operating policy. It does not apply to the public at large, and it says the public has no right of enforcement. So, basically, 
It's a regulation that is internal to DOJ. It is DOJ that enforces that regulation on itself. And as AG, the AG can set that aside, violate it himself. He's the head of the department. Nobody can hold him accountable for it. That's what Shipwreck Crew said, who is a former federal prosecutor. It makes sense to me. I'm not saying you got to like it, but it makes sense to me. And Barr did the same thing with Durham. Personally, I don't have that much of a problem with it. And I kind of think that reacting to the appointment of special counsel, that, oh, this one line right here means that he's disqualified. Well, I get it. I'm just not that excited about it, I guess. I'm just like, nah, the age, this, this is a thing that's happening. You're not going to like undo this. So I, that's my best answer. And actually it's not my answer. It's shipwreck crew's answer. And he, I think he's right. It makes sense to me anyway. Uh, whip and spur. Thank you very much. A few shots of scotch will help that cough. Glad you had time to fix your hair before this show. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I don't I have no idea. <laughs> Ooh, I just got some Benson's honey. Yeah, you're right. Stefanon, actually, thank you for the uh thank you for the excellent uh segue there. So I just got some Benson honey in the other day. And if you guys are interested in some Benson's honey, then uh this is what I got. Go over to BensonHoneyFarms.com and use rep code JUSTHUMAN. Now, I did have someone um, recently say they couldn't figure out where to put the rep code in. That's fine. It's not immediately apparent. If you add this to your cart, right here. That bit right there. So if you're interested in some goat milk soap or some honey or some candy, whatever, the honey's the main thing. It's raw. It's unfiltered. It's not heated, pasteurized, whatever. It's just straight up delicious honey. It is my favorite honey that I have ever had. Um, and my family too. It goes, we go through it pretty quick. This is where you put rep code just human is right there. So, um, yeah, the cough is actually like kind of good. I'm, I'm clearing up my lungs. So it's, uh, I mean, it, it's a part of me healing up. So got slightly sick last week all right now we have more news we have more great news yeah simply rose i love their soaps too they're really it's they're they're really good um love their products so and if you guys want to support this show in some other way you know uh is the best way um signing up for my Substack. i don't publish very many articles but when i do it's typically something significant or at least I think so. And that's also where I put my podcast. My merch is over at um, Red White Bourbon 45. You can go there and get some merch, redwhitebourbon45.com. The links for those things are in my link tree and also in the description of this show. Um, and for those of you who like my Badlands stuff and like Defected, we've had a lot of requests for merch for Defected. Was working on that yesterday. Um, mostly Kate is working on it, but I was helping a little bit. So, um, 
it's in, we're making it, we're in the process of developing it. So if you're interested in that stuff, a lot of people have asked for it. It's on the way. Okay. SBF. Oh, how could I forget? How could I forget? In this case, Trump's case in DC, this protective order that I said was very, very typical. The main takeaway for you to have from what happened today with this protective order with Trump is that now discovery begins. As of today, Trump and his team have the ability to issue subpoenas. They get all of DOJ's, they start getting all of DOJ's discovery which is said to be millions of documents. Now it begins. Trump and his team get a look at exactly what Jack Smith has gathered. They get to start subpoenaing things. They can subpoena other government agencies for information related to his case and his defense. That starts now. So the protective order, the media is going to portray it as Trump just got limited in what he can do, right? But the truth is he just got more power. <laughs> he just got more access to materials and more power to defend himself with. That's the main takeaway from what happened in uh, DC today. Okay, now in SBF's case. So, been some drama in this case, as you may be aware. Samuel Bankman fried has been caught witness tampering. Samuel Bateman Freed has been caught using a, a VPN, which is against his protective order or the conditions of his bail, against the conditions of his bail. He's been contacting people about his case that he wasn't supposed to. And he had some journalists come over to his house for an interview, which he wasn't supposed to. So SBF keeps on screwing up and the judge has had enough of it. This is Judge Kaplan who is the same judge who handed out that handed down that ruling the other day with uh, Trump and um, I think that Jean Carroll case. It was the same, same judge. Well, today she had enough of Samuel Bankman freed and it's worth going to, they had, they had a hearing on his bail conditions today and it's worth going over here and reading to you how it concluded. Um, so the judge goes through and goes through all these things that he has been doing wrong. And she said, I have received filings, including by a constitutional scholar, strangely in the form of an affidavit, not advocate's brief under blah, 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 that alleges witness tampering and obstruction of justice. Those are felonies. On January 15th, the defendant sent the FTX U.S. General Counsel by encrypted signal encrypted uh, message on signal quote, I would really love to see if there's a way for us to have constructive relations, use each other as resources. This is SBF contacting the attorney for FTX wanting to coordinate on this case and share information to try and help get him out of trouble. Witness one was may have been worried they'd be indicted. Witness one is also someone that SBF contacted and said, Hey, can you and I get together and try and get on the same page about this indictment? 
when it's the it's the witness against him. That's witness tampering. And she goes on and on through some of those things. And she says, finally, in view of the evidence, my conclusion is that there is probable cause to believe that the defendant has attempted to tamper with witnesses at least twice under Section 1512B. Mr. Cohen argues that the presumption has been rebutted. That'd be SBF's defense attorney, Mr. Cohen. I disagree, says the judge. He has offered up a gag order on all communications with the press, but the problems are multiple with such a thing. I don't have the order. Andy, can you put it on the screen? The previous order would prohibit him from communicating with any public communications media. But these days, what is that? Anyone commenting on Instagram? Anyone who comments on the Washington Post? I think we'd be in for collateral litigation here. This defendant, SBF, tries to go right up to the line. His use of the VPN to watch a football game over an account he wasn't authorized. There it is. He subscribed from the Bahamas and used a VPN as if he were in the Bahamas when he was in Palo Alto and could have watched it on public TV. It shows the mindset. All things considered, I am going to revoke bail. I am focused on the possibility that he will be detained at the MDC, not on anyone's favorite list of five-star facilities. That said, I understand he could have have a dedicated laptop there. Uh, There are other examples of defendants getting one. There is section 3142I, the judicial officer can release the defendant for preparation of defense, what that says to me is that on an appropriate showing, I could entertain an application for Mr. Bankman Freed to spend some time in the council's office. The government chimes in, the government communicate and says the government communicated with the MDC. That's the Metropolitan Jail where Epstein was and where uh, Maxwell was, that thing. We propose putting them because where we are in the case, it would take weeks to load a laptop. So we say Putnam with Ned, the FBI would assist with transporting him to Putnam during trial in the MDC. So they want to put him in a different prison, which is Putnam. And I don't know, I haven't heard of it, but they want to put him there for now and then put him in the MDC during trial. So he's right there in New York near where the trial is going to be. The discovery issues will be issues will be more manageable then. On 3142I, my understanding is there are obstacles arranging to bring a defendant to a U.S. attorney's office. Mr. Cohen feels he needs something like that. I'll do it. Mr. Cohen says, we intend to appeal this. We need a written order. Judge Kaplan says, so SPF's defense attorneys are like, we're going to we're going to appeal this as soon as we have a written order from the judge saying his bail, his bail is revoked. <clears throat> judge Kaplan then says, you'll have the transcript overnight and I can shoot form over order over today. We have an application to stay today's ruling pending appeal, says Cohen. DOJ says, well, we oppose that. Mr. Cohen says, there are important issues here. We have an unusual situation, factually. We think the circuit will take it up quickly, meaning the circuit court of appeals. There is a reason for concern, DOJ says. Who knows what mischief he could accomplish in the next few days? So Judge Kaplan's like, Mr. Cohen, I deny your application because I disagree there's anything novel here other than the factual issue. The defendant is remanded. 
The U.S. attorney says this should not change the trial date. We'll stick to all deadlines. And at that moment, guys, the U.S. Marshals moved in. SBF took off his jacket and tie. He took off his shoelaces and handcuffs were applied and he was put in prison. Boom. Right then and there. Now, lots of people have been complaining about SBF having this sweetheart bail conditions where he gets to live at home with his parents in California and he's wanted on all of these charges or he's faced with all these charges and this would never happen for anybody else in America who wasn't some rich and uh, elite person in the cabal or whatever. He's getting all this favoritism from this judge and from DOJ and um, this is terrible. He should be in jail like anybody else would be. There you go. He is now in jail. Now, I love that he was ever on bail at all because the conditions of his bail were extremely strict, extremely constrictive, and they were severely intrusive into his life and his parents' lives. All the devices in that home were, or at least supposed to be according to the the conditions of the bail. The devices in that home had software on them and hardware on them to limit what they could access. They had key loggers on them. They had software that took your picture. And I don't remember if it was every 30 seconds, but I want to say every 30 to 60 seconds, the laptop, the, the, um, the tablet, the phone, whichever device he was using would take a, a, a picture of whoever it was using it. Um, they had all sorts of restrictions on his um, condition. And I think it's because his parents are the real target. I think that that was always a trap. Now, this is one of my harebrained theories, which may or may not pan out. But I think that DOJ is actually focused on his parents. And I think his parents are really the ones behind his money laundering and his scheme to influence elections. I think he's a useful idiot that was good with computers and had the right connections. And he's kind of a patsy, but he's a patsy for his parents and he's a patsy for the, for the DNC and for the RNC. Don't forget, don't forget the FTX and SBF and these people, the executives, they donated millions of dollars to both parties they spread their money around throughout all of the parties because they were trying to buy whoever they could buy. <clears throat> so he, um, it was really intrusive. So, and I think that was part of them. I think it was a trap. I think it was a trap to catch him tampering with witnesses and what he would do. And then also a trap to catch his parents. We'll see if that pans out, but, that's what I think. Now, I see it in chat, coming up in chat, and I and I know this is fake news. There is very, very strong fake news that's been going around that um, DOJ has dropped charges on SBF, and they're going to go easy on him, and it's a cover-up, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, by now, guys, we really don't even need to look up what the Black Pillars say. Like, you can just predict it. It's really easy. Whatever happens in the world, whatever it is, just think of the most negative take possible and then say that. And that's what that's what they do. 
That's all the black pillars ever do. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter how good it is or bad it is. Whatever it is, the black pillars find the most negative way to spin it. And that's what they say. So you don't even need to look. Like you can just know that they're going to find something about it that they don't like. And that's going to be their main takeaway. <laughs> and unfortunately, a lot of people fall for it because they don't go to the documents. If you go to the documents and see what DOJ said about dropping a charge, you learn that it's a horse of a different color. So the other day, it was like a week ago, maybe. I don't know. I can't tell time anymore. Like a week ago, DOJ said, hey, we're going to be dropping a charge against uh, Samuel Bankman Freed. We have to drop the campaign finance charge because it wasn't part of the original indictment. And according to the treaty we have with the Bahamas who extradited him, we can't add charges. We, he was extradited on these charges and those charges have to be what he's charged with here. That has, it has, it, we can't add on to it. We can't modify it. Then DOJ on August 8th made this filing. The government writes to notify the court and the defendant that it plans to seek a superseding indictment next week. So SBF is about to be hit with another superseding indictment. It will, this one will contain seven counts, and it'll be the original seven counts that he was charged with, okay? These are the seven counts that, that um, the government intends to prove at trial in October. His, this guy's trial is only a few months away. Next, it says, the superseding indictment will make clear that Mr. Bankman Freed remains charged with conducting an illegal campaign finance scheme as part of of the fraud and money laundering schemes originally charged. The defendant's use of customer deposits to conduct a political influence campaign was part of the wire fraud scheme charged in the original indictment. And as part of the originally charged money laundering scheme, the defendant also concealed the source of his fraudulent proceeds through political straw donations. As the government will outline in its forthcoming motions in limine, the, the evidence of the defendant's campaign finance conduct is admissible at trial as direct proof of the charges. So, and it also has a footnote, the evidence is also admissible under Federal Rule of Evidence 404B as proof of the defendant's criminal motive and intent. So while everybody ran around for a day or two saying that the DOJ was covering up SBF's crimes and wasn't going to prosecute him for election, um, <clears throat> electioneering, basically. They're covering up all that stuff. Nope. Nope. They dropped that specific count, but they're still bringing all of that evidence forward because that evidence is still part of these same charges of money laundering and fraud. The illegal campaign finance scheme he ran is part of the other charges. But that's how fake news works, right? So that's something else to celebrate about this SBF case is that 
his illegal campaign finance scheme is going to play a, a central role in that trial. Okay. How much time I got? I haven't heard my uh, family come home yet upstairs. I haven't heard that. I can hear it when they come in. They'll, they walk above my head, so I'll hear them. So I have, a, I have a few more minutes, at least until they get home. Let me see what's going on in Foxhole. Hello, everybody on Foxhole. This is not a treat. Get to work. What? Uh, Cat Q Patriot says Biden impeached means he is a legitimate president. He's not. Hey, Sergeant Sparky. <laughs> Happy to be here. Um, let me see anybody over here on Rumble. Okay, good. I'm caught up. Okay, good. All right, there was one other store. No, really, there's two. Um, here, let me do this one first because this will be quick. No, not that one. Uh, where'd it go? Get this one. This one. Uh, trial date for Trump is going to be right now. They're wanting January second, twenty twenty four, for the uh, the uh, documents case. I believe it is. Is it the documents case or it's again? I'm getting it so mixed up. No, it's DC. The DC case starting in January. Trump's going to be on trial during campaign season which might just be perfect. Well, I may have accidentally closed the other article I was going to grab, but there was a, um, so there's a story going around that the Biden administration has managed to construct a new um, Iran deal. And it's in exchange for some hostages, some American hostages that are in Iran um, we're going to get those people back and then we're turning over some Iranians that we have in prison. And then we're also releasing $6 billion to, excuse me, to the, um, to the regime in Iran. So everybody's getting upset about this Iran deal saying that it's, it's, you know, it's the same deal as before. And, um, in fact, let me just find the article. I shared it the other day. Let me find it real quick. The devil's in the details with it and nothing is concrete. So I, I'm going to say this is definitely one where it's better to understand before you react, but I'm not telling you that it's good or bad. I'm just saying that um, it's, there's some, it's not quite fleshed out. So I'm, I would hold your fire on, on this Iran deal. Man, where is it? McGonagall, McGonagall. Man, I can't wait for next week when McGonagall is uh, flipped. He's flipped. Of course, we're supposed to think that's a cover-up too, by the way. <laughs> the narrative on McGonagall, he's flipped. He's literally flipped on people. He's one of the central key figures in all of the Spygate scandal and he has flipped, but we're all supposed to be in a bad mood about it and say that it's a cover-up. All right. All right. Where is it? Okay, I don't see. I'll just have to talk off the cuff. So the Iran deal, the way it's spelled out, there's nothing committed yet. But the $6 billion isn't 
new money. It's not that the Biden administration is printing $6 billion and then giving it to Iran. It's $6 billion of money that's in assets in bank accounts that were already seized by the U.S. previously, and they're going to be released. That $6 billion is being released from our, our sanctions, and they're being moved, or this is the way it's supposed to go. It's nothing's, nothing's done yet. So it's, it's Iran's money that we seized. It's going to be moved into a bank account in Qatar, and then it's going to be monitored and regulated. And in order to get that money, Iran has to give it to NGOs, and it has to all be tracked. The hostage turnover or the prisoner swap is going to happen in stages with them being moved to different cities and step by step. <coughs> before they're actually handed over. The the deal sounds like it's really it's really incremental. It's step by step, incremental, you do this, then we do this, and it's all like small baby steps along, okay? Um I'm not completely dismissive of it, but I'm also not like, oh, this is great. I I'm I'm very agnostic about the deal right now. Um I can see the narrative value for our side to portray it as the Obama-Iran deal part two and pallets of cash and all of that. I totally see that narrative opportunity with it. Um, but I'm not going to scoff at the opportunity to get some American hostages back from Iran, you know? Like, that I like. So the question is really how much is the U.S. giving Iran in order to get those hostages back? That's the that's the question I think, um, but it's it's interesting. <clears throat> it's something it's something to watch. I expect the narrative. It's going to be narrative warfare around that deal, but we'll see. We'll see. All right. The last thing, and I have not had time to dig into this because of the other news, but this ties back into other research I have done um, on Durham's work in the Durham report. It says exclusive. Thank you. Hey, Sean, thank you for the cookies over on uh, Foxhole. Appreciate it. Exclusive. Republicans pile pressure on Pentagon to reveal if its research arm investigated the DNC email hack in 2016 that was falsely blamed on the Russians colluding with Trump. The question is, was the Pentagon's research agency, DARPA, involved in pushing false claims Russians working for Donald Trump hacked the Democrat National Committee email server in 2016? The answer is yes. It's the question two Republican senators are demanding answers to after unearthing a new email showing links between the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency, DARPA, and computer scientists investigating who was behind the cyber attack that shook the presidential campaign. The latest call for an investigation comes months after special counsel John Durham concluded there was no evidence Trump conspired with Moscow to help him defeat Hillary Clinton in a damning report. Since then, the hunt for those, re those responsible for pushing fabricated stories of Trump's links to the Kremlin to politicians and the press have intensified. The hack led to the leak of emails that were damning for Clinton and the DNC, and some say it contributed to her loss to Trump. Hackers tried or hackers tied to Moscow were initially deemed the perpetrators, 
But Durham's report sparked allegations DARPA were behind the false narrative. The claim stems from DARPA's highly contested work with research partner Georgia Institute of Technology and one of their computer scientists, Dr. Manos Antonakakis. An email obtained by Durham revealed Antonakakis, who was investigating the DNC and Republican National Committee databases, said the only thing that drives us is that we don't like Trump. DARPA have continuously denied that they were, they were behind the allegations Russia was involved in the, in the hack. But Republicans say a new email raises fresh questions about their claim and the origins of the now-debunked allegations. Senator Ron Johnson and Chuck Grassley said the new evidence proves DARPA signed off on a project related to the Republican National Committee and the Democrat National Committee. The Daily Mail has exclusively obtained the letter that they wrote this week to Dr. Stephanie Tompkins, director of DARPA, demanding answers about the agency's work with the Georgia Institute of Technology and the Enhanced Attribution EA program related to the 2016 hack of the DNC communications. The EA program probes malicious cyber attacks. The email from Antonakakis reads, Folks, last night as I was thinking what we can study, I also realized that we do not know much about the RNC and DNC networks out there. Wrote a job that run overnight, and I know I have 290, and I know, I think it's misspellings. I now have 292 hand-verified at this point networks that are linked to the RNC, DNC, and all local state committee networks around the U.S. An adversary would find those networks interesting for a number of reasons. So, I think we should run a reversed Pythia, or Pythia, and see what we can see. If you approve this, addressed to a DARPA employee. <coughs> I would like for you to think how we will break any bad news to these people. If you cannot think of a clear and clean way to inform them, is this DHS's role or FBI's or the USSCC's? Perhaps we should learn, we should let them remain infected. What? Let them remain infected? If you approve this, dear DARPA employee, I would like from you to th I would like from you to think how we will break any bad news to these people. If you cannot think of a clear and clean way to inform them, perhaps we should let them remain infected. Oh, I reprinted that twice. Oh well, it was worth reading twice. So here's the letter here. the uh, The response from DARPA reads sensitive stuff, but yes, I know who to talk to if we find anything worth doing. This immediately makes me think back to. A little something that is supposedly a nothing burger called the Durham Report. Remember that nothing burger? The Durham Report? Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Where's the link to it? Hold up. Hold up. Let me go over to the Durham Report. You know that Durham Report, that nothing burger, that cover-up operation? that thing yeah well in this report let me I can't remember off the top of my head what page it was on let me see 
Referral. Referral. Let's see. Let's go down over here. Let's see that right here. No, maybe it's right here. Got to find it in the report. I feel like I almost remember the page number it's on, but not quite. I think it's 45. Maybe it's 45. Maybe not. Maybe not. That isn't. Maybe not. Oh, oh, maybe I was right. I was right. It was 45. Okay. So this nothing burger, the Durham report, that means absolutely nothing. And uh, is this a cover-up? Of course, 316 pages of cover-up. Says on page 45, in addition to its prosecution and declination decisions, the office made the following referrals. What? The office made the following referrals. I was told by Con Inc., and popular MAGA influencers that there were no referrals in the Durham report. What is this? One, a referral on June 30th, 2020 to the Washington field office regarding a matter related to an existing counterintelligence investigation. Could that be McGonagall? Two, a referral in December of 2020 to OI of information relevant to the accuracy of information contained in the four-page FISA. What? FISA works both ways. What? Three, referrals of two matters on December 14th, 2022 to the Inspector General of the Department of Defense. I think that's some guy named Storch. He might be in some drops somewhere on an anonymous internet forum with a copy to the General Counsel of the Defense Intelligence Agency. One matter involved the execution of a contract between DARPA and the Georgia Institute of Technology. And a separate matter involved the irregular conduct in 2016 of two former employees of the Department of Defense. Well, this can't be right. I was told the Durham report made no referrals, it was a nothing burger, it was a cover-up, and nothing would ever come from it, nothing ever happens, we're doomed. That's what I was told. But, oh, what's this? Yep. Another nothing burger. Just another day in the life. So. That's my show for today. I got a little time. Now my, now my family's back. I hear them. So let me get some exit music queued up. But before I do that, I will check chat. Thank you, everybody that turned out uh, for this impromptu show. Had a lot of people uh, messaging me, asking me to go live. Well, I don't know about a lot. I had a dozen or so. 
people messaging me saying, asking me to go live this evening to talk about this stuff. Um, <clears throat> so I appreciate y'all, uh, showing up for this live. If you enjoyed it, uh, Mary G rumbles. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you guys enjoyed it, then please share it, like it over on rumble, share it around, tell some people, watch this, watch this episode of, of just human. He goes through some stuff and, uh, and dooms out. <laughs> oh, by the way, before I go, so my exit music for the show, every time I play, it's a, it's one of my best friends band. We grew up together. We've known each other since we were like 14. Um, Elegant Tiger is his band. This is the exit music I play at the end of the show. There's also, he's added more songs on here. So if you go to the Elegant Tiger Bandcamp page, they have they've added some more songs onto this um earlier this year. I like them all, but Akedo Dansu is the one that I end the show with. So if you guys are interested, go over there and uh give them a dollar for their music, which allows you to own the track. And uh yeah, they'd appreciate it. Their music's great. Music's great. It used to be just him, I thought, but now he's added in some pictures of other people. So I um, that's good to see. I hope he keeps developing this music project. So, all right, guys. God bless each and every one of you. Y'all have a fantastic weekend. Remember to, you know, defect a little bit. Remember to take some time out to restore yourself and rest and be with family and friends. Touch grass. Take a break from the, the new stream because it's insane and it's only going to get more and more insane. You'll be glad that you took a break. So I'll see you guys on um, Sunday night for Defected over at nine o'clock. Remember, we're not we're not going to win every battle. We're not. But we are going to win this war. I promise you, we are going to win this war. God bless you. Have a good evening. <laughs>